Welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Guy. Good afternoon, Kingdom Corner Podcast followers. The great Matt Geib here with you once again with another wonderful episode of The Kingdom Corner. And the last time we were together, we had talked about, we had really kind of finished up a series on unity, the antidote to chaos, and we were in Ephesians 4. And we had left off with the gifts that we all needed to bring our gifts to the church or to the plate or to the house of God, the living, breathing house of God so that we could use them to bring about the unity of the faith, use them to edify and build up each other, the fellow saints. And I want to, I just thought the way things are these days, I've been talking a lot to other ministers and other saints, and uh, I've been feeling the same thing in my spirit. We're in the midst of the COVID-19 epidemic. We're in the midst out here in the Northwest. I see down in Portland, since the 25th or 26th of May, when that poor man was killed up there in Minneapolis, there's been protests every night down in Portland, had protests in most of our cities most of the time since that time till now, you know, and we're heading now swiftly towards fall, the wrap up of the summer, and we're just kind of rushing toward the elections. And, you know, I want to keep us focused on really what's the important things. And I was wondering, and I was searching and praying, and I just felt like, you know, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is really a book for the times that we're living in. There's a lot of principles that we can begin to break open and share and break apart like the bread the Word of God is and share with you that would help you in your practical everyday life, not ethereal, spiritual things that are way out there, but everyday living, how we should live. And you know, when I was also thinking about this and reading through all of Ephesians, I, I was just struck by how, and, it's, and the whole Bible is really this way, how God speaks to us through those he inspired to write the canon of Scripture. You know, he speaks to all of our senses, to touch, to sight, to hearing, to smell, to taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. In the next couple of sessions going through Ephesians, we're just going to continue on in Ephesians. I think there's a lot of really rubber meets the road principles there, like I said. You're going to see several of these senses that Paul describes in beautiful word pictures for us that will help us really understand what God desires. And God always speaks to us in a way that we can understand. He's not so distant that we can't understand. And my prayer is that you will be able to really tap into what God is saying in this hour. I believe, like I've talked with other friends, and this is just kind of going on in an introduction here, that in this time in 2019, as we're leaving the summer and going into the fall, there are some rough waters ahead. There are some rough waters ahead for us. It's kind of like living, going down a, my dad and I used to canoe a lot as a boy and going down a river or a stream, and then up ahead, you know there's rapids, and you have to be prepared for those rapids. I mean, you can traverse through them, travel through them, but you have to know how to do it. And I, I see in the months up ahead, and as we get more and more toward 2021, I see some rough waters ahead, and God would want the church to be prepared 
for that. In light of that, I've done a lot of reading on Ephesians. One of my favorite authors from way back in the 60s, he was a a man of God, a preacher. I can't remember the denomination now, but you can look him up. His name was Ray C. Stedman. He's gone on, I think, in the late 90s to be with the Lord, Ray C. Stedman. And he has a lot of beautiful things to say about the book of Ephesians. And this is kind of from his introduction. And he uh, titled this introduction, The Call of the Hour. And I think that really is applicable to where we are today. The Call of the Hour. The task of Christianity is not primarily to get us ready for heaven, though this has been the emphasis in past generations. It is in itself a relatively simple task as far as God is concerned. He gets us ready for heaven by an act of faith in Jesus Christ. And I would say most of you that come here, you've already committed yourself to Jesus Christ. You've checked that box off. But now he goes on to say, the major task of Christian faith, however, is to equip us for life, to live life. And remember the last lesson, we talked so much about the gifts and about how they're, they, each one of us has a gift that needs to be brought to fruition, brought to maturity, so we can equip the rest of the body of Christ to effectively be a witness on this planet. And that's my uh, little blurb there, but I'll go on. The message of the scriptures, Ray Stedman says, therefore, is how to handle life. I'm not talking about ideal life. Life as we think it on a Sunday morning when we're removed from the much of the rush and pressure of our days. No, I'm talking about realistic life. Life with its pressures and problems, its joys, its challenges its heartaches, its tears, its confusion, its battlement, its possibilities of greatness. I'm talking about, I could add, its challenges of COVID-19, its challenges of the riots, its challenges of maybe you being out of gainful employment right now and not having enough money. That's what we're talking about. We don't come here or we don't gather as Christians to learn and just hang on. We come together to learn how to handle life so that we can go out and face the worst and still stand victoriously as undefeated saints. That is what Christianity is about. Therefore, the purpose of the church, now listen to this, is not to make the world a better place to live in. It is to make better people to live in it. Let me read that again. Therefore, the purpose of the church is not to make the world a better place to live in, It is to make a better people to live in it. Then, as a byproduct, and always says that, these better people, these better saints, will make the world a better place. So, to the church is given, and remember we talked about this, the secret, and I I put in here mystery or mysterion, we talked about in Ephesians 2 and 3 of life. Christians are the only one who have and know that mystery or that secret. Christ is the mysterion of life. Only that message will meet the need of the world in which we live. When the church forgets this and wanders off in peripheral paths, trying to produce the byproduct directly, it loses its influence, its power, and its effectiveness. What a way to open up the book of Ephesians. I think Ephesians is all about that. It's all about rubber-meet-the-road principles that you can begin to apply today in your life so you can stand as a victorious warrior 
Christian. You know, in my neighborhood, in my region, in my metron of the world today, I live about 40 miles out of Seattle, southeast of Seattle. There's groups of people going out this day. And this day that I'm talking is Labor Day. I'm recording this or talking about this on Labor Day in this episode. They're getting ready to go into the city of Seattle and even into the region I live in here. I could just go down the street two miles and meet with a group. And they're going to go out and they're going to pray over the areas. They're going to declare God's victory. They're going to prophesy over people. They're going to minister to people that they see. And that is the victorious church moving forward in the empowerment that God has given them. And in this hour, we need to be that way. We need to, we don't want to be like those who hold back, but we want to move forward in the things of God to be lights of hope, to be beacons of hope. So my, 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 I've said a lot there in the first almost 10 minutes, and we have about 20 minutes left, and we're just going to begin to get into this. We left the section in Ephesians chapter 4 that I drew three lessons from about unity being the antidote to chaos, and we finished up with the gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and about those being the supervisors over the rest of the church members, the rest of the saints, so their gifts could be brought to the work party, as it were, and build the church up. And now we're going to transition and segue a little bit into more practical things. I'm going to continue on for a while as I feel led. We may continue on to the end of Ephesians. Already, like I said, we had those lessons on unity. We had the lessons from Ephesians 3 on you should go back and listen to those. Paul's prayer to obliterate depression. That's good for this hour, too. And now we're going to get into some more practical steps from practical things as we go on from verse 16. Now we're in verse 17. The title phrase in my Bible says, the new man. And I'm going to read a few uh, up to about 24, and then we're going to just see how far we can go. This I say, therefore, verse 17, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work, all uncleanness with greediness. And my, isn't that a real picture of what we see out in our society today with all the mass riots, with all the shootings? It just seems like since May and since COVID has hit in the spring that this has brought all this to the forefront, all this to fruition, the ungodliness of man. And it says in verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. We're not like those out in the world, what we see today. We're not like that. We have not learned Christ. If indeed you have heard of him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. And that is Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. That is what we'll begin to go back to now, and we'll begin to break it apart 
a bit verse by verse. This was read from the New King James Version because my notes follow a lot of the King James, what I want to talk about. And we're just going to look at this now, some practical things here. And he goes right into it. Because you have these gifts that God has empowered you with to be out in the community sharing like my Christian friends are doing today around Seattle and around my smaller town of Bonnie Lake, you know, we have that, but we're not like those in the world. And so he's going to get into that now. And I want to bring a few important points to the table before I leave you today. When he talks about there in verse 17, he uses the word testify. The Greek rendering is do all things pertaining to the Lord. When he talks about futility and or vanity, now this is very interesting. He talks about it being a waste of rational power on worthless objects, really idolatry. Let me read that. Futility or vanity in verse 17, the Greek really refers to a waste of rational power on worthless objects or idolatry. We could stop right there. That's what we see going on in the world today. A lot of wasted rational power on things that people idolize, whether it be material things like their home, their car, or whether it be, you know, sports icons, Hollywood icons, maybe even people that they love. You know, that is a waste of rational power on worthless objects, you know, and that's not what Christians are to focus on. Let's go on. Ephesians 4, 18 to 19, we could jump there as a cross-reference. They, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, verse 19, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Here again, another picture as he goes on in this passage, in these verses, uh, up to about 24 there, where it really lays out the picture, you know, where you can understand and see, and it's right in front of us today in what we see going on in the world, in the United States, with the riots, with the protests, with the shootings. And he's using that as a contrast, I believe, to sober us up. Romans one twenty one is another good cross-reference. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's a picture of what we see going on. I think people were born back when I was a boy in the 40s, the 50s, and even on into the 70s. With They knew in their hearts there was another a God that had created things, but because they didn't glorify him or acknowledge him, their hearts have become more and more dark. And I would say now we have, sadly, children that have been born into the world that their parents were like this, so they may not even realize, though I think deep down we're created to know there is a God, but it's been so pushed back in their heart, they may not really realize it unless they really uh, search their souls that there is a creator God. First Thessalonians 4, 5. Not in passion or lust like the Gentiles who did not know God. That's, there's Gentiles in the Ephesus church who had come to God, and Paul was preaching to them, and then there were ones that, did, like in our society, did not know God, 
And we don't want to be like that. That's the contrast. It's to sober up the church. Verse 18, when he talks about understanding darkened, he's speaking of intelligence, perceptions, that is all that is foggy and nebulous. It all becomes foggy and nebulous. I'm sorry. That's the way the minds in the world are working now. Their intelligence and perception have been become nebulous or foggy. They don't really know the difference between right and wrong anymore. Let's go to Ephesians 5.8 as a cross-reference. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. So he's making that contrast. I talked to you about in the beginning that I have friends that are out there on this Labor Day. This is Labor Day. It may not be when you hear it, but it is Labor Day here that they're out there in the communities uh, letting their light shine, testifying, prophesying, praying for people in need, declaring in their in prayer walks that God would have mercy on the United States. Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. See, that's what we're praying for, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 to 5, another cross-reference. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are the sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Okay, that's verse 18, cross-reference. Alienated, when we talk, use that term in the verse, speaks of Adam's rebellion. We've been alienated. Man became alienated at the fall when Adam and Eve fell. It speaks of Adam's rebellion that all men have chosen. We've all chosen to walk that way. All of us have, till we come to know Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.12, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Let's look at the word ignorance. That is, they are ignorant by choice. They've made the choice to be ignorant. They're not ignorant that they don't know any better and they're naive, but they're ignorant because they've made that choice to be ignorant. Acts 17.30, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now God commands all men everywhere to repent. I would ask you today with the state of the nation, the state of the world, you know, I'm not going to argue with people that God caused COVID-19 and everything that's going on, that he did not. I believe he did not. But isn't he certainly using it to get men's attention that hopefully everywhere they will repent and turn from this kind of lifestyle that he's talking about here, this sinful, ungrateful, ungodly, alienated lifestyle of lewdness and uncleanness? Isn't that what he wants? Romans one twenty one. Here we go again. I've read this part before, but I'll read it again here. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God, incorruptible God, into an image made like corruptible man, and the birds and the four-footed animals and creeping things. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, see, they want to get rid of God. I've even seen protesters out there saying, tear down all the statues of Christ, and Christ is, you know, that's all bad. That's what they're saying. God gave them over to a debased mind, and that's what's happening today. 
to do those things which are not fitting. Let's read a couple more, and then I want to make one more point and close. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as, as in your... Well, I don't have that here. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts. We'll leave it at that. And I'm going to stop at that verse. We read through 17 and 18. I think there's a few more cross-references on 18. I want to read this part, though, because it's going to get into my last, one of the last things I want to say, hardness or blindness of their heart. The Greek means blindness, callousness of feeling, literally a hardening of one's skin, no longer sensitive, here we go, to touch. Mark 3, 5, and when he had looked around to them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. See, the Pharisees looking on, they were hard in their heart, and he was grieved by that because they wouldn't believe that he was sent from God. But the man stretched out his hand and was restored as whole as the other. But they didn't get that because they were so hardened, the religious leaders of the day. And we've read through this before. Without the life of God, I could read the verse Romans 1, 21 to 28. Uh, we may pick up there next week, but you can read that. And we've read parts of Romans 1, 21, but we'll just, we'll just let you go read it, and we may tie into that next week. Without the life of God, there is no longer feeling, is what I want to say. They were, these people were desensitized. We could just read this. We've read 21 and through 23, so I'm going to read Romans 1:24 now. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for each other, men with men, committing what is shameful, receiving in themselves a penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. What a picture he's painted of the 21st century here in uh, September of 2020, of what we see in the world, of what it's become in the 40-plus years since I left high school. It's amazing to me. Without the life of God, there's no longer feeling. Man becomes desensitized. So we're coming to the end here. We've painted quite a terrible picture. Uh, You know, he's talking about the world in his day, Paul was, and yet it's so applicable, like I said, it's rubber meet the road material for what we see today. And as an example or an end sample or a type of way to be that we don't want to be as Christians. And, you know, it's a contrast and it's to sober us up. These are serious times that we live in I just wonder, I, I'm not going to get into the one point I want to want to really land on today because it, there's so much to that or there's a lot to it that I want to bring out, but let's just look at one more scripture if I might turn to it and I'll read it because I don't want to just leave you with this negative picture, but we all know this verse and God has been speaking to me about it and I want to just turn to it and read it. 
and you all know it. Just give me a second here. See, God has raised up the body of Christ, like I read about in the first portion, to bring their gifts to the living, breathing temple of God, to be a, a factor in bringing men to the light, to be a factor in bringing forth revival. I still think there's hope for America, even though the hour is getting late. And I'm just going to read this, and then next week we'll touch on something that is really on my heart that I've been studying a bit. I've been studying in the book of John, studying the life of Jesus, and he's been speaking to me. So, Second Chronicles, you know this verse, 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. I have chosen and sanctified this house. You are the house of God, the living, breathing house, that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. He's on, his eyes are on the church. His heart is on the church. As for you, if you walk before me as your father walked and do according to all that I have commanded you, if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom as I made covenant with David, your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man as a ruler in Israel. And so my people are called by my name, shall turn from their wicked ways and pray and seek my face. I believe this is the hour of taking up a solemn fast. These next two months that we're in, as we're just about approaching fall here, I'm in September here still, are critical. It's, it's September 7th when I'm on this podcast. They're critical. They're critical for us. And it behooves every Christian to get down on their knees and pray. And you know, when I began to look at that scripture again, I've read it hundreds of times. I've heard it hundreds of times. God began to convict me with that. And he said, you are the one, son, where repentance must begin. You must yourself take that upon you and repent and turn from wicked ways. And believe me, Christians have some wicked ways. Not that we're out there murdering people or doing all wrong things, but Jesus said, even if you think a wrong thought, you've committed sin. So we must first begin with ourselves and break up our fallow ground, as Hosea said, and seek repentance and turn from our sin and turn back to him in a passionate way. That is what I'm talked about today, Ephesians 4, 17, 18, and 19, painting a pretty dismal picture of what we see in 21st century 2020 America and the world today. But there is hope, and it starts with us as a church leading the way in repentance and asking God to heal our land. So my friends, this has been the Kingdom Corner Podcast. We will not leave you without hope. We will go on with this lesson and bring some more truths that will help us. So be blessed. Hey, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner. Make sure you click that subscribe button so you get notified every time we release a new episode. Welcome to the family. Mm-hmm.